0: Welcome to this week's episode of New Tricks. This week we're joined by Alistair Hockley, Director, Christy Co, to discuss harmonisation between buyers and sellers, the domestic leisure market, and whether Mick Jagger takes cod liver oil.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is our glorious podcast. Sometimes weekly, sometimes not, just to keep you on your toes. But we have another episode this week and we are here uh, in all our finery. Catherine, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you, Emily? Oh, we're still enjoying the House of Plague.
0: Thank oh, you. No. Now.
1: How many decades has this been now? <laughs> it i forget i forget uh we yes we are deep still deep into covid not me not me the um the residents of our household who went to Glastonbury. uh so yes we're on day eight i think of covid um which is yeah glorious i'm not showing any signs of abating um but other than that we're tip top thank you very
0: good very good very pleased
1: Joining us on Nutrix this week. We have Alistair Hockley, who is director at Christian Co. Alistair, welcome to Nutrix. How are you
2: this sunny Monday morning? I'm very well. Thank you. Mm, and thank hey. you for inviting me along.
1: Your um your your video. So for the purposes of the tape, um, there we go, you're back. So we, we have we use Zoom so we can see each other because we established very early on in this podcasting podcasting experience that if you can't see each other it's talking in the dark and it's very confusing and you don't get visual cues which is why as de- perfectly demonstrated there was then a pause of confusion because we couldn't see alice's face but he's back and we're back yes but he spoke
0: without moving his face which tells me that if it doesn't work out at christian co, of course it will if it doesn't work out at christian co then career on the stage beckons yeah.
1: talking of stages where were you last night, Alistair?
2: I was in the lovely Hyde Park watching uh, the Rolling Stones, which uh, was was fantastic. Um, and if I have anything like the energy of <laughs> the three of them, when I'm probably more than double my age now, I shall be very happy with myself.
0: Yes, he is well bendy, is that Mick Jagger,
2: for 78.
0: Or indeed he, for any age. He NEA. has
2: those hips. Um, he does. Yeah.
0: I wonder if that's where the, where the source of it is. Or whether it's like cod liver oil,
2: uh,
0: I'd
1: like to think it's that's way more exciting than cod liver oil. I would agree. And 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 did did um, did Keith have a fag on like the entire time?
2: Not that I could see, but I suspect he was probably sort of shielding it behind his back or something. It, it did look like he could well have been doing that. Um, although we were quite a long way back. So you had to rely somewhat on a large screen to see what was going on. But um, they were they were super duper. And, you know, musically, very, very tight. It sounded incredible. So, yeah, I was a happy chappy last night. Um, there you go.
1: You see, I'm not having any of this green smoothie and yoga malarkey. I no. think the life of rock and roll is where it's at. Because, you know, if proof be needed... I give you the Rolling Stones age, age 5 billion and 27 <laughs>
2: yeah really- good
1: then,
0: isn't it? Mm. have you ever seen the Rolling Stones Catherine I have seen the Rolling Stones yeah. is it glorious it was they're very good at the thing that they do which is why people will still want to watch them when they're 78 <laughs>
2: They did announce that it was the something like 203rd time they'd played in London, which for all the people having just bought a T-shirt thinking they were very special, made me think, well, actually, um, <laughs> this is quite yeah, a common Yeah, that's not the to
0: make your audience feel super special. <laughs> did they follow it up? We are, we'll yeah. always remember this. We'll always remember this particular gig as the best time. Best time that we played London. Are you ready to rock?
2: Well, makes first announcement Park was... Park
0: having
1: a merry... Married-
2: the the first gig they Sorry, played in My Park a couple of weeks ago was the free gig. And this one was the one that everyone had to pay for. So that sort of really put the crowd on. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I'm not convinced by his banter at this point. <laughs> 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, the minute we're off this, the phone call will be made. Any <laughs> 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 yeah, <a neat> representation. <laughs> exactly. Mick, I'm not sure this is going to end well.
1: <laughs> um, right let's 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 move seamlessly um oh, i wonder how you would value the rolling stones maybe you could say seg- maybe you could sideline into that if it doesn't work out on the stage but how do you value but mm-hmm. yeah. what, i don't, I don't, want don't think necessarily you. want to get involved in any
0: of these new 50, 50 year mortgages so
2: <laughs> yeah there'd be some careful consideration of two uh lifespan wouldn't there some good goodwill i think there
0: Yes, yes, exactly. that would make up for that. but you would have to say you could have the rolling stones, but they might have to come unencumbered.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So whilst we ponder whilst we ponder what value we would put on the rolling stones um Alice, we're thrilled we are genuinely thrilled that you're here because we we are um we've been lacking a valuer uh perspective on this glorious podcast um and here you are with as a valuer um so we're going to mine your thoughts please for uh valuing valuing thoughts so uh, well, let's start with <laughs> Where are values sitting at the moment? With the, I think we're gonna talk are we gonna talk UK mainly? Is that your
2: purview? Predominantly UK, yes. I mean I I, I work for a company, Christian Co., that has coverage of UK and Europe. And uh I, I do provide hotel valuations across that sphere, but the bulk of the work is in the UK. So that's where the um maybe we focus our chat today. Um I mean coming out of the period of um Constant COVID, um, things have actually been fairly good. Really, um, values are fairly robust, and you know, valuation from my point of view, we are always trying to follow what the transactional market says and does. So we're effectively observers and um, monitorers of said market, and try to apply value on the basis of what we see people are doing. Um, and what we've seen people doing is broadly trading fairly well and broadly seeing quite a lot of demand for assets, which helps in both forms keep values robust. Um, there is a bit of a split across different segments of the market and different areas of the market. And I think that's natural. There always is. Um, some areas do better at some times and, and others at others. Um I think at the moment, your domestic leisure focused hotel world has obviously been doing very well in the in the post covid period um and values there are strong um, there is probably a little bit greater uncertainty around
0: are those values sorry are those values expected to hold because um one can can't help but think that once people have worked out how many. Kind of airline pilots and and baggage handlers they need their wolves who <laughs> maybe trading won't be as perky as it has been, or are people thinking right that's it I'm set for the next twenty years
2: yeah well, I think there's a slight difference between the you know immediate performance in any given period and and where and where the value moves. I think the um general consideration in the market is that we we've probably seen a a short term peak in in um operational performance because you know people now can get supposedly on an easy jet plane and go to spain if, if this is enough baggage handlers and everything else um which which will have an impact um, but the long-run thought is that well actually the uk is a very nice place to do your um domestic leisure traveling and i think people have come back to the uh, realization that 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 it really is quite nice in quite a lot of the uk um, and and thus, um, the medium term prospects are pretty pretty strong. Um, may not be as as strong as they were for many reasons last summer, for example, with VAT reductions and lack of flights anywhere else. But um, but actually pretty good. Um, and I think the operators in the market have have been able to tailor their service more appropriately to to that market. And um, you know I think you know. We are expecting that to continue um for the foreseeable at this stage.
0: Well I can I can I'm just gonna quickly interject here with a relevant tales of EasyJet. I was on an EasyJet flight yesterday and um and it took off on time. It took well, first of all, it took off and it took off on time and it landed on time and everyone was very pleased with the whole situation. Um and then the the what they're like walking tube thing, the name of which escapes me, that they suck the walking tube onto the side of the room. Um, a baggage handling truck crashed into it before it could be sucked onto the side. And so they had to disentangle that, which took half an hour. And then because we were only getting off at the front, people we were getting off quite slowly, the captain had to announce that, could we please hurry it up? Because the plane had started tilting backwards. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought this is a whole new level, a whole new level now with tilting planes... And yes, so it's going well. It's still going very strongly over there.
1: Presumably at the point that you had taken off, travelled, landed all on time, all with no incidents, your brain instantly went to, well, how is this going to go cock up now? Because this can't. I had not forecast that. So
0: I have seen accidents between the sucking on tube and other things before, but I hadn't been in a tilting airplane before. And I thought, hmm, very exciting.
1: Did panic in you?
0: It did. It didn't. Although people did move forward at a more you know acceptable speed, which I think was what they're going. And it it reminded me of something somebody in the hotel sector said to me a while back, which is that you should always, when choosing your seat, sit at the back of the plane because you never hear about planes reversing into mountains. Anyway, but yes, just keep you up to date with what's happening in budget short haul. And and top aviation seating logistical tips as well. This is, front. This is why you see I, you mock the speedy borders and their front sitting ways, but this is why
1: always learning. Um, how is the alignment looking, Alistair? From in terms of valuations, um, I, I appreciate that you're not directly involved with valuations for sale, but general uh, sort of expectation management around people requesting the value, the valuation and people receiving the valuation and whatnot. How's that all working? We've heard a lot, haven't we, during the pandemic about general increasing alignment for the good. Um, how is that playing out in the valuation part of the hotel sector?
2: Um, well, there's always a bit of a disconnect in that most people that I deal with would like their values to be um, at the higher end in the... Uh, uh, in the general way of the world um but we of course need to be reasonable and look at all the various facts and figures um i think there is uh certainly in the transactional market there is quite a lot of um uh, alignment at the moment i think we've we've post pandemic we saw a bit of a gap i think with people expecting there to be deals around um and distress and the like um that really hasn't transpired because there's been a lot of, um, well, A, operational success, B, support from banks and finance partners that we tend to work for, um, you know, not looking to suddenly say we're going to sell your hotel, etc. cetera. Um, so that really hasn't been too visible in the market. Um, and therefore, we've been able to um, value in a fairly normal manner with access to comparable data which is what we always boringly talk about um to to support our opinions and when you can support your opinion with evidence there's not too much argument that can be made i mean obviously it's always subjective and there's always a discussion but um when there's evidence out there we can we can use it to support a position which is um which is good for maintaining harmonious relationships between all parties
1: how is the, or is it yet? How are you factoring in rising labor costs, fuel costs, all that kind of stuff? Is that is that transferring to your the work that you're doing yet, or have you not seen that bite yet?
2: Uh, no, it absolutely is. Um, we are um, with the best will in the world trying to predict the future a little bit in our in our valuations. The normal way of doing a hotel valuation is to um, you know, build up an assessment of how we think a business is going to trade in the foreseeable future effectively um, is one half of it, and by looking at the various revenue and cost implications in that we can that we can see in the market, um, clearly revenues are fairly easy to track historically as are costs um, going forward, you have to put your finger in the air a little bit, but using evidence we 've got and we know that wage costs have been under pressure recently and probably will continue to be under pressure, and that there is serious utility inflation and inflation in wider supplier markets and so on that clearly all impact into into hotel PNLs. So we are having to reflect that in terms of how we see trade going forward and how um, how we forecast and also operators also should be forecasting this as well going forward because I think there's no debate that, that this will be the thing. Um, the, the flip side to that is that these inflationary pressures and cost pressures are um, are inflationary in both ways in that they're also inflating revenues. So we're seeing very strong generally in market uh, rate growth in a number of um, areas, um, occupancy less so, but broadly rate-driven, um, which has... An inflationary impact across the board, and you know what we're really looking at is what the end, um, the end profitability of a, of a given asset looks like. Um, so, if your revenues going up, but your costs are also going up, you might consider your revenues stays broadly. Uh, sorry, your your profit level may stay relatively similar, and it's that kind of uh, interrelation that we're trying to analyze in each given scenario. Um, and clearly, there are a lot of moving parts in there. Um, long answer to. Um, the question but in simple terms yes we are having to look at these cost rises and and, and factor them in but it's not necessarily having a negative impact on values as yet uh, and will not until we see the transactional evidence is demonstrating that that's the case if that becomes the case
1: yeah no I appreciate long answers it's a complex. It's a complex question and um, what about ESG in terms of valuations there's been again lots of chat over the last few months um, in terms of how it's affecting investment decisions. But so how do you, or do you, this is my 12 questions in one, um, do you uh, include ESG within valuations? And if so, how? By counting plastic straws or lack of? How does it work?
2: Um, Well, environmental risk and sustainability has always been a valuation concern. We're always trying to um, consider what that looks like for a given property. Um, I think the, the minutiae, plastic straws and the like, are are are, are something that um, any new operator could change in any given scenario. So that's that's not a major concern to us at all. Um, uh, what we're really looking for, I suppose, is um, energy performance in a given building, for example. Um, and and sort of structural concerns with a with, with a, a particular property as to how how its energy performance and its sustainability could move over time. Um, again, everything in value comes back to evidence in the market and what buyers are willing to pay um, or what they're looking to acquire in terms of asset types and so on. So um, we're beginning to see now, particularly funds and institutional investors. Um, placing a lot more weight upon the uh, sustainability credentials of the buildings and properties, and in hotels that they invest in, in and, and buy, um, to the extent that you know you'll have a criteria for your fund, and if it doesn't match that criteria, then you won't choose to buy it. And someone choosing not to buy something means there are fewer people in the market, and generally makes a either a less competitive process, and it may have a, an impact on value. Um, we model that I suppose by by looking at each individual property on its merits, seeing what the potential is to either um, improve or or, or or perfect ratings in that way to to um, make properties attractive for um, for the right reasons effectively so that they are both sustainable from a saving the world perspective but also appropriate for. Um, investors and their and their given desires Um, so again we are waiting to follow the market and I think it's very split the the sort of corporate investor market is looking at it and I think is is starting to have an impact the um, the the private investor the smaller um, uh, scale of the market is probably not placing as much um, active Consideration on this area yet, although I suspect they probably will start to, particularly with um, utility costs rising significantly. Um, so it's not being factored in so much in in that segment, um, but it will follow the market as such. Values will follow the market in that way.
1: That's interesting. Why? Is, why are the sort of larger corporate institutional types? Why is it more of a factor with uh, that? Um that group of investor than the then and than and not so within the 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 other lot.
2: I think it's probably to do with corporate governance and so on. I mean the big big firms will have requirements to invest in areas they see as sustainable. I suspect pension funds and the like that are investing in the funds that and properties that they are buying will will have uh, requirements that suit their um, the owners of that money effectively you know people want to see that they are investing in things that are considered to be um good and clean and appropriate and e s g uh uh ticking the box there effectively um and and will vote with their feet effectively if something is not appropriate in that manner or cannot be uplifted in the manner that that would be desirable then um then they'll choose not to so i think it's a um it's a factor of people's desires to be more, be more green, be more sustainable and, and pay more heed to, to this segment of the market
1: marvellous and this feels like an appropriate juncture to ask you uh about your most memorable hotel experience and then we'll we'll do a little bit more about valuations and then we'll ask you the five questions that we ask everyone at the end so just to give it some context and apologies if you've heard this before we used to ask everybody what their favorite biscuit was but we're now on episode 62 of this podcast so um we have uh most definitely Covered off all the biscuits in all the land. You're welcome to tell us your favourite biscuit, um, if you like. But we'd also like to know what your most memorable hotel experience uh, was, and if it included the Rolling Stones, you get bonus points.
2: <laughs> I think I'd say jaffa cake for biscuit, but uh, it was that cake debate.
1: Well, debate. The
0: debate was resolved.
1: <laughs> was it? <laughs> it's something to do with VAT? There was a
0: court case about it.
1: And isn't it something to do with VAT?
0: Yes. So that that was the issue because VAT is different for cakes than biscuits. Yes, Ooh. I can't remember which one it's applied to, but I
1: do.
2: That um, sounds quite definitive. Okay. Anyway,
1: it was. Hotel it was. Experience.
2: <laughs> I, I've been lucky to value some very interesting and exciting places in the UK, but also in Europe. I think the most memorable to me was um, valuing the Fairmont Hotel in Monte Carlo, which was a fairly glamorous instruction i suppose um the fairmont hotel in monte carlo is the one that if you're a sort of small time f1 fan like myself which means not very much um is the one that forms the hairpin on the circuit and it also forms the tunnel over the top of the circuit and it has 600 bedrooms and it has a huge floor for ironing entirely and etc etc it's a remarkable beast and it takes up sort of half of the waterfront in in monaco um and was just fascinating to go around and and see uh from a sort of behind the scenes perspective um uh sort of access all areas tour you know you walk through a uh a sort of door downstairs in the back of house area and you find you've just opened a door into the sort of the tunnel on the race circuit then, oh gosh, be hit. um so Yeah, that's certainly the most memorable amongst a bunch of other memorable experiences. But yeah, that sticks in the mind.
1: And when you're valuing that hotel, do you have to take into account that a half a million quid's worth of race car may potentially go come slamming through the side of it at on the hairpin bin, hairpin bend, or someone else's
0: insurance? Surely,
1: short that one up as
2: yeah, Um, yeah, sort of embedded car. Um, Yeah, Uh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they in the model yeah <laughs> they did have a car showroom right at the front there as well so there was already an embedded car when I looked at it to be fair um uh, their um their trading metrics were fascinating you know the big big spike in May when the Grand Prix comes around so uh, um yeah all things considered fascinating
1: marvellous lucky you um, Catherine, do you have any other valuation-related questions or Rolling Stones-related questions for Alistair? Uh, not on
0: this occasion, no. No, I'm still trying to work out what kind of insurance you have to have on your F1 car anyway. I guess you do. Do you get money back if, it's, if it snaps in half? Fire and theft, I don't know,
2: they sure. just come
0: Yeah, yeah, but no third party, presumably. Wow.
2: Um,
0: hmm. Well, you would save money on that, so yes
1: yes that's true bring it right down yeah exactly when you phone up
0: no 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 no, no third party i don't think yeah yeah no, One sure. careful lady driver and like yeah exactly and i guess most people sort of they were the drivers live in monaco don't they so that's probably a low crime area
2: you'd think so, you'd I hope hope so. so.
0: yeah do they have wing mirrors that are easily chipped off not particularly i don't think
2: Ooh, yeah. no, i'm not sure they use wing mirrors
0: There you are, see. There you are. It's probably cheaper than your average courser.
1: (laughs) It's very possible. Mm. It's very possible. Right. Um, So we are hurtling towards the end of this this glorious time together. Um, And so to conclude, to round it off, uh, if we may ask you the same questions that we ask all of our guests at the end of the episode, which I feel may be needed some sort of updating now, but yet as as proven we are not we're not over covid so let's keep them for at least this week we may possibly come up with some new ones next week so alistair when the shutters came up and you had the jabs in your arm the first thing you did was that is awful english you know what i mean
2: <laughs> uh, i think the very first thing i did was go out for a meal at a local pub and in doing so i think i probably tried to book holiday whilst there um <laughs>
1: All the hospitality. Yeah, yeah, all at
2: once. I'm terrible at booking any form of hotel because I sort of live in this world. I'm awful at it. So my wife has to do it sort of whilst I supervise is the wrong word, whilst I just sort of sit back. Um, So I think that happened. We went out for a meal and a holiday got booked.
1: Lovely. Well, bonus points for reigniting the sector in two different ways. Um, The best thing about the sector is...
2: Um, I come from a property background, so I'm a surveyor. I, I didn't sort of go to hotel school and do all of these sort of things, and I've been working in the hotel sector for 10, 11 years now. Um, you know, And the notable thing is everyone's so hospitable. It sounds corny, doesn't it? But but you know, it's nice to work with people who are um, in the business of providing hospitality service. Um, that's my favourite thing about it. I could be working in industrial sheds, so... It's not quite the same.
1: I mean, nothing against folks that work in sheds. I'm sure they're a right cheery bunch, but I, concur. we are we are a good lot. And anyone that isn't, that sort of, we, Catherine and I often talk about this. Sometimes there's people that sort of, that try and
0: yeah, you get the occasional bad actor.
1: Yeah, but they get weeded out really, really soon. So yeah, we're a good bunch. Okay, um, this sector would be significantly improved if.
2: Ooh, yeah. This is a tough one. I, I think, you know, continued support for people that work in the industry sort of at a, at a service level. I think we're still not at the level and I work in Europe quite a lot. We're still not at the level that um, our colleagues abroad are in terms of recognition for um, working on the floors of of our lovely hospitality businesses. Um, you know, and it's been a difficult time for um, workers in this sector through, through COVID and the shutdown and so on. So I think, you know, Greater recognition from you know the wider public and world of, of of that element of the sector would be good.
1: Very much so, because we have proven, haven't we, that if we don't have it, we miss it. So it would be nice to think that a smidge of recognition would be glorious. Um, what the industry needs now is, uh,
2: if I was an operator, I'd probably say continued sort of boost on VAT and that kind of side of things. But um, I'm not. Uh, what i would like to see personally is um our, our lovely brand friends producing slightly fewer brands and just getting back to basics of, of their core and so on because i think most people outside of our lovely hotel world don't really understand the proliferation of um other bits and pieces and it sort of needs explaining so back to basics in terms of uh hotel branding and naming and etc cetera, etc cetera, is my view on that
1: i like that view very good. Uh, and the final question is: I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Dot dot dot. Uh,
2: well, post pandemic, I think we've learnt the UK is a thriving place for for hotels and hospitality, isn't it? It's one that can really weather a pretty harsh storm and come out. You know, I would say unscathed, but quite well, um, and a worthy destination to go on holiday in. I think we've all enjoyed our UK breaks over the last two years, and you know, hope to do it more and not play on the easy jet seesaw quite as much um <laughs> uh easy jet seesaw
1: tilting plane anyone you raise an absolutely valid and if i may say so uplifting point to end this week's episode on so many thanks indeed for your time uh, and for making it to the podcast in a post rolling stones concert manner much appreciated um, thank you Catherine lovely week in Paris and um, lovely week you. to you in your house of plague yes yes I mean what's not to enjoy um, thank you everybody for listening please do share, like and subscribe it helps other people find us and in a community and hospitable way is very much appreciated uh, do join us again next time for another episode until then goodbye
2: bye goodbye
1: So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify.
0: These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.